freedom, man. That's what it's all about. You've got to groove on freedom like the good book says. listening to what on earth is happening this show will discuss the topics of human consciousness mind control natural law the occult and all issues that affect the freedom of the people of earth what on earth is happening will endeavor to shine light upon the darkness of our world and to offer empowering solutions to the problems we face as humanity approaches its critical moment of choice. And now, here is your host, Mark Passio. Welcome, one and all. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening right here on the Oracle Broadcasting Radio Network. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. The network's website, oraclebroadcasting.com. Today is Sunday, July 29th, 2012. The show is live every Sunday from 5 to 7 p.m. East Coast time. We have a great show lined up for you here today. We're going to be continuing to talk about our ongoing uh, discussion about solutions-oriented approaches in consciousness. And we've been covering the non-support of dominators for many weeks. And ultimately, in many ways, this is the solution to the problem that we're facing in consciousness. Is It's saying no to authority. It's uh, stopping believing in the concept of authority and therefore... Uh, refusal to give your support to the mindset of domination. We're going to continue to talk about the occult mockery of the military and the police, the dominators who actually do the bidding of the dark occultists who are really controlling uh, human consciousness, manipulating human consciousness, and how they ritualistically, occultically mock, you know, wordlessly mock the people who they get to do their bidding. In many ways, they despise and disdain these individuals more than anyone else. Uh, certainly, uh, they hold far more contempt for them than they even do the general uh, public, the general dumbed-down population. Before we get into the subject matter, I have a few event announcements for today. The first is that um, uh, we did make the show ad-free, and uh, I hope that everything is working properly for today. I did not hear from the network. Uh, last week, we had to do a manual launch of the show, but I think they reprogrammed the show, so hopefully that is technically working well. But everyone who contributed, I want to say thanks again, and uh, I've put an, um, an ad-free sponsorship chip in on the site. I've kept it up there. Uh, so... We need to raise uh, some more funds to keep the show ad-free for a following three-month period. So it shouldn't be too difficult. It went really well the first time that we did this, and uh, everyone uh, you know, joined together and made it happen. 
So uh, we already are, uh, I believe, about one-fifth of the way to our goal for the, the next three months already. So uh, please uh, continue uh, your efforts. Um, it's much appreciated, and um, I got a lot of good feedback from people who enjoyed the ad-free show last week. So... That being said, I'd like to announce that I will be speaking. I've been added to a conference here in Pennsylvania uh, this week. This was a last-minute type thing. I wasn't originally scheduled to be on there. One of the speakers uh, happened to not be able to make the engagement, and the organizer of the conference, uh, John Ventry, contacted me and asked me if I wanted to give a presentation, and I said, absolutely. I would definitely be interested. So this is going to be the MUFON PA East Coast Conference. That's the Mutual UFO Network here in Pennsylvania. They're having their East Coast Conference September 28th, 29th, and 30th. That's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at the Sheraton Bucks County Hotel. That's at 400 Oxford Valley Road in Langhorne, Pennsylvania. 400 Oxford Valley Road, Langhorne, Pennsylvania, uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. There's uh, going to be a whole lot of speakers. I'll be speaking on Sunday, September 30th. Here's the uh, total list, a uh, lineup of speakers for this event. John Ventry, Frank Fashino Jr., Sue Switek, Karen Dolan, Stan Gordon, Travis Walton will be speaking. That should be very interesting. Rob Switek, Peter Robbins is the keynote speaker on Saturday. That should be excellent. Uh, he wrote the book Left at East Gate, uh, which is a, a great story um, in the UFO phenomena. Um, check that out if you're not familiar with his work. Uh, Grant Cameron, Richard Dolan, always great to uh, see Richard. Uh, he's a great guy and a very informative speaker as well. Stephen Bassett and the... Uh, the woman who canceled was Linda Berry. She was originally scheduled to uh, give a talk, but will not be able to make it. So I will be taking Linda Berry's place, and I will be speaking on the moral issues that are involved in the continued cover-up of extraterrestrial phenomena. So this is something I don't really get into much here on what on earth is happening. I have given a talk uh, that uh, on another conference that I was invited to speak on on these topics. Um, in the past, and this will be the second um, conference that I'm participating in related to these types of topics. So it should be an interesting event, and I'm uh, thrilled to be, uh, have been asked to take part in it, and I'm looking forward to it. September 28th, 29th, 30th, Sheraton Bucks County Hotel, MUFON PA East Coast Conference, lots of great speakers. Um, for more information on that, go to um, MUFONPA.com. Okay. The next event announcement I have, of course, uh, I made the big announcement last week announcing that there will indeed be a second Free Your Mind conference here in Philadelphia next year in 2013. Free Your Mind 2, April 19th, 20th, and 21st, 2013 here in Philadelphia. No details announced just yet. We don't have a venue yet. We're working that out right now. And uh, we have a list of potential speakers, but I'm not going to confirm any speakers just yet. I'll be announcing that as the website uh, goes online. So look for that. Uh, FreeYourMindConference.com is the website, and it will be changing to the new layout. I've been working on that, and I'm going to try to get the new website up sometime over the next week or so.
So that's the Free Your Mind 2 conference coming up in April of 2013. Now, <clears throat> I made an appearance on Truth Frequency Radio with uh, Chris and Cherie Geo on July 22nd. And that, that is now up in the news section, at least the first hour of my appearance. It was a two-hour spot. They have a three-hour show on uh, Saturday evening, and they brought me on for hours two and three. The, fir the first um, hour of my uh, appearance is posted to the What on Earth is Happening news section. You can only listen to the second hour in their members' archive, so I was not uh, able to post that up on my site. But the first two hours are posted there. There's another gentleman uh, in the first hour, and then I make an appearance in hour number two of the broadcast. We talked a lot about the Aurora shootings. I haven't covered that here on What on Earth is Happening, but in general, I talked about how this was more likely than not, uh, in fact, another false flag event, and another goddess sacrifice ritual. We've seen this over and over again, and particularly when it comes to bloodletting events, mass sacrifice of people, um, in order to put an injection of fear into the population so that they will uh, readily give up their rights and obey draconian legislation that is uh, usurping their inherent natural rights as human beings. And they can only really do that if they keep people in enough fear. And that's what these events are all about. Th this is clearly, this event has so many clear occult markers all over it. Uh, mainly the name of the town that it took place in, which was Aurora, the name of a Roman goddess figure who gives birth to the sun at dawn. Once again, this is the same goddess that is talked about throughout history in many different traditions that represents care, that represents giving birth to the light, giving birth to uh, the energy and the form of consciousness that ultimately is going to act as a savior and a rejuvenator of the world, which is knowledge, light, uh, knowledge of self, knowledge of spirit, and they, the dark occultists want to murder this. They want to put it down. They, want, they don't want this goddess being born into the world because ultimately it represents true care being born. So what they want is the cremation of care, the sacrifice of care. So the, we, we talked about that on Truth Frequency in the fir first hour of my appearance and continued a little bit with it in, into the second hour. And there are so many other occult markers, how this was done during the dog days of summer, associated with the dog star Sirius, which is also a uh, corollary to Isis in the Egyptian tradition. So there you have the goddess being invoked once again, right there. J uh, July 20th is the date of the moon landing, the alleged moon landing, and that date is specifically ritually chosen because it represents in the ancient world the heliacal rising of Sirius behind the sun at the equinox, the spring equinox. So there's a reason they pick symbolic dates. This is connected with the moon and with Sirius which is connected to Isis, goddess symbols and then the shooting takes place in Aurora. 
there's no way that that's an accident specifically when you take into consideration that this was done um, so close in proximity to another occult mass ritual sacrifice event, Columbine. Columbine is named after Columbia, the goddess, particularly in the Western tradition. That is her name. Named after the dove. Kalum means dove. Again, goddess symbolism, the dove of peace, which they want to continuously put down. They don't, they don't want peace. They want everlasting war and ritual sacrifice. That's what war is, dressing up people in ritual, occult regalia to go onto the altar of sacrifice called a battlefield and kill each other so that the priest class doesn't even need to do the killing. They do it for them. And people obey this and go and continue to perpetuate this sick, demented practice because they're completely unconscious. And, you know, so we, we talked about all these different occult overtones on truth frequency. And a couple of days after that appearance, uh, and I'm, I'm about to go off on a tirade for a few moments, folks. So get ready. Because when I was hearing people call for gun control legislation and the banning of certain firearms and all these more aggressive background checks for people to get, um, you know, guns and weaponry so that they can defend their, themselves and defend their freedoms against the encroachment of tyranny and to prepare for the time when that may be necessary. I was willing to like kind of look the other way and like almost excuse this. They're ignorant people. Some of them are knowingly doing this, so I know that they're part of the agenda as many people in the military, I'm, I'm sorry, in the media are um, and are on the CIA payroll and will just, you know, basically say anything that they're told to say, commanded to say for a paycheck because they're an automaton robot. But I heard something through... I'm not going to mention the person's name. Let's just say it is a friend who happens to occasionally listen to a radio talk show host's show in the United States. And this is where I'm going to go off on a short tirade here and basically call this person out as a coward and a traitor. And his name is Howard Stern. For people who may not be familiar with who this is, who may live outside of the United States, People in the United States uh, probably recognize the name, but uh, if you're you know, from another country and you're listening to the show, this guy is a radio talk show host, a very popular radio talk show host from New York, and he basically engages in uh, toilet humor and uh, just uh, sophomoric juvenile um, shows that he puts on. He doesn't really ever talk about anything with any real substance. Uh, for the main fact that he is a coward and, you know, he just wants to uh, talk about uh, all frivolous topic matter and never really get into anything with substance. And he was calling, well, I, I happen to, I don't listen to mainstream media and even shows on like, you know, um, serious radio that don't really get into anything serious. I listen to basically alternative media and uh, filter the web for what I'm looking 
for for relevant pieces of information and, and information that's really getting at the truth about what's really taking place and of course uh, do real reading downloading books and things like that to to um, improve my understanding of the dynamic that's taking place around us when you encounter an individual like this who really doesn't read by his own admission uh, and I encountered it again through a friend who happened to have it on and when I was listening I was becoming totally infuriate, infuriated by the ignorance of this individual he was calling for an, a ban on semi-automatic and automatic weapons because of the tragic events that took place in Aurora and this is the typical fearful mind controlled ignoramus response to some to an event like this by someone who has absolutely no idea what freedom is zero and who's a little timid lapdog he's a little timid slave this person is not and you can say I'm launching an ad hominem attack cuz that's what it is get over it yeah, that's what it is. It's an ad hominem attack. I'm, I'm attacking a complete idiot who happens to have the ears of millions of people in the United States and doesn't use that with any responsibility at all, is then putting out things that are completely poisoning other people's worldview when it comes to an understanding of what these weapons even exist in the world for, what they're even for. Because people have no idea most people have zero idea of what the Second Amendment is even about. What that entire idea, the concept, was put there by the founders of this nation for. And it has nothing to do with hunting. It doesn't even really have to do with just the, the, the base protection of your home from predators within the population. You know, thieves, vandals, things like that. That's really not what it's about. The Second Amendment is there to act as a guarantee of protection on the people against the government so that you have the ability to defend yourself against encroaching tyranny and the usurpation of your natural law rights, your natural inherent rights as a human being. That's what it's there for. That's the original intent of the people who put that into effect, put that out into the world. Whether you agree with the Constitution, Bill of Rights, anything or not, the idea is that when someone is coming at you with violence, you have the right to protect yourself through the use of force. And he was making these completely irrational, illogical, cowardly, fearful claims and saying, these weapons should be banned. And his rationale for this is that they're not designed for hunting. They're designed for the killing of multiple numbers of people. And I was sitting there listening to this verbal diarrhea and thinking to myself, wow, genius. You must have won an award or something, rocket scientist, brain surgeon. Were you sitting up for days at a time with an abacus and a slide rule to figure that out, that, that these weapons exist for the killing of multiple people, 
not just one, but numbers of people? Well, you figured it out. Mental giant. Congratulations. Yes, that's what they're for. Because they're for protecting oneself from government agents that have gone completely outside of their scope, outside of their originally intended scope, and are now engaged in the practice of tyranny. That's what they're for. And if you ever did any reading, coward, because that's what his name should be. It shouldn't be Howard. It should be Coward Stern. Okay? If you ever cracked open a book in your life, you would understand that every single time throughout history that any kind of mass confiscation or banning of weapons has taken place, it has always inevitably, invariably been followed by a mass extermination of the population in the region in which that confiscation was done. But you don't have a long view of history. You don't have any view of history because you don't read books. You're not a reader, and that's why you're not a real thinker. You're just an opinion propagator and an uninformed opinion propagator at that. So yeah, I am calling you a coward. I am calling you an ignoramus. And ultimately, I'm calling you ultimately somebody who's really been castrated by the state. You don't have any balls to come out and speak the truth. You're not even a man. You're a coward. So there's my ad hominem tirade against a person who has millions of people's ears yet doesn't have one drop of responsibility to understand, have any long view of history, to understand the original intent of the founders of this nation. What Howard Stern is, what Coward Stern is, ultimately is a traitor. A traitor. So I'll, I'll just leave it there because that just says it all in plain words that I think anybody can understand. And that's the truth. That's not my opinion to anybody who's really paying attention to what's going on in this country at this time and isn't horrified by what they see and isn't justifi justifiably morally outraged at the rights that are being destroyed by the second by this encroaching police state. And Howard Stern would claim to be of some kind of proud Jewish descent as well when he doesn't even understand what happened during the Holocaust. He, does, he has no clue. And he doesn't understand the same dynamic is present here right now in the United States. And the same outcome is going to occur if we don't wake up, stop being a coward, and start speaking out against this. But I could challenge him to that all day long. And he, he, he won't do it because he's a little punk coward. So there it is. There's, there's my take on what I heard this moron calling for the outright ban on uh, the weaponry that is going to be probably the last hedge against this encroaching police state and the complete removal of our inherent rights as human beings. Everything I do on this radio show, ladies and gentlemen, I've said from day one is to avert that 
possible outcome of having having to get these people off of our back, off the, get, get them off of our juggler vein in our neck that, through that method. I don't want to see it come to that. The knowledge that I put out on this show, the purpose for putting that out there in the format that I put it in, to try to explain it as clearly, concisely, logically, and in as linear of a progression as possible so that it, it is understood and all prerequisite material is gotten in the, in the earlier sections so that you can understand some of the more complex stuff in the later sections. All of that method for, for conveying this information and the reason for doing it, the underlying reason, reason for doing it is so that it doesn't have to come to that kind of bloodshed so that we can do this in consciousness, so that it's a real solution and a real transformation. So we don't have to have a repeat of the first American Revolution where we had to do it by forceful means, not violent means, but forceful means. Violence was being done unto us. We responded with appropriate usage of force to beat back that violence. And everyone has that inherent right. When you're being accosted with violence, you have the right to respond with the appropriate use of force. And that's what those weapons are for. And anybody who doesn't see that, it, I, I don't need to prove the case. Common sense proves the case. A study of history proves the case. It's out there in the open for all to see. I don't need to sit here for hours on end explaining why that is. You do your own due diligence and do your own homework into human history and understand what has happened when any given government has had more firepower than its people. The result is inevitable. And it's there for anyone to, to see, for anyone to take into themselves and understand just by reading if you care enough to do that reading. But these are people who don't care enough to do that reading. They don't care to edify themselves, to educate themselves, to learn the difference between true right and wrong, and to dispel the myth of authority. And it's ultimately because they have no courage. No courage. They're fearful little children. They're children mentally, emotionally, and of course spiritually. And I think the time is long past sugarcoat words and to try to make justifications and excuses for this kind of behavior. That's the problem is that we've done that for too long and we haven't called these people on their crap. And people need to start speaking freely and openly and calling these idiots on their crap because they're putting it out there and other idiots are listening to what they say and hang on their every word. I'm telling you, don't believe what I'm saying. Look into it for yourself. Do your own homework. Do your own research and find out that what I'm saying is the case. Find out what I'm saying is true. Don't just believe it. So I'll leave that there and let's, uh, because I took up even too much time to do that, but uh, it just got to me. It really got to me when you realize that someone like this has a gigantic audience and is speaking to the biggest city in the United States uh, and, and beyond now that he's on uh, satellite radio. And uh, these people hinge on his words and he's giving them the most horrific 
uninformed opinions that one could possibly spew. So let's move on to bigger and better things. Let's move on to our topic of that we've been covering for the past several weeks, which is the occult mockery of police and military personnel. Um, we've been covering different symbolism that is used to ritualistically mock these individuals. We talked about the five-pointed star. We talked about the Pentagon. Um, we went into uh, different emblems. We went into the all-seeing eye symbolism and the, the uh, uh, left and right brain hemispheres and how we need to bring those together to uh, form a balance that is represented by the blazing star or seal of Solomon, which is another uh, variant, uh, another way of looking at the all-seeing eye. We talked about color frequencies, how um, frequency control is used against these individuals, mainly through the colors of red and blue, which represent um, respectively left brain and right brain modalities. We talked about some Masonic symbolism that is associated with uh, police and military regalia, mostly police regalia. Um, and the main aspect of that, which is seen in police uniforms, is, of course, the checkerboard floor of the house, as it is known. The checkerboard floor of the Temple of Solomon, as it is depicted in the uh, tradition of Freemasonry and the first degree tracing board of that tradition. So... Uh, that's what we covered last week. At the, um, at the end of the show, we started getting into the symbolism of the hypercube. The hypercube, um, as I said last week, is one of the most occulted symbols of dark occultism. It is one of the most hidden. It is one of the most obscure. More people are beginning to have an inkling and start to understand what this symbol has represented traditionally in occult ideologies. I broke it down last week as being representative of a fourth dimensional space of 4D space or a fourth um, 4D dimension. We live in a three-dimensional world. The higher dimension, which would be like, um, you could look at it like a, a pond or a lake or a fish tank. The fish um, never go outside of that little uh, isolated world, that three-dimensional space that's confined. It has a, a very specific boundaries and the fish live their entire lives in that contained universe. A human being isn't confined to that universe though. They can enter it and leave it at will. So you can go into a pond, you can go into a lake, you could put your hand into a fish tank. You could even possibly remove one of these fish from one location where they would seem to anyone else in that universe to completely disappear and then if you drop them into another place they would seem to reappear almost as if by magic because they had left the dimensional confines of that universe and then re-entered it at an another place seemingly without going through the space between. This is how we can visualize the fourth dimension as a higher space than three, the 3D world. I covered it um, briefly last week when we talked about dimensions or densities. Um, if you were following in the slideshow, I, I want to mention that there are slideshow images that go along with this entire talk on the occult mockery of police and military on my website, uh, whatonearthishappening.com, 
on the radio show page. Click the radio show tab and then underneath the player for uh, the show on the radio show page, you will see a huge list of images uh, called Occult Mockery of Police and Military Personnel Slideshow Images. There's 148 images listed there. We've been working our way through them over the last few weeks. We got up to a, around image 76 last time. So I'm backing up a little bit to image 75 as a brief review. And we looked at dimensions or den densities. You can also download the PDF document underneath that set of images, which is a 7 megabyte PDF document. And uh, you could follow along that way if you prefer to do it that way. Uh, just know that you will not be able to see the animated images because there are a couple of animated GIF images uh, in, the, um, in the slideshow images above. Uh, these images and PDF document will also be listed with the podcasts on this topic on the podcast page. This is podcast number 118. Okay, so uh, image number 75 shows the the general concept of, of densities or dimensions, and I'm not saying it is, is exactly like this. This is, of course, an oversimplification just through uh, geometry, but um, we can look at zero dimension as a, a point, a specific point, uh, a singularity. There's really no uh, length, width, or breadth, okay? There's no depth. So it's just one point. And 1D would be the extrusion of that point into a line. So now we have length, but not, no other dimension. So there is one dimension there. If we then extruded or pulled on that line to stretch it out into another dimension, we would have what is known as a plane or a 2D space. <coughs> Pardon me. <coughs> if we then extruded that plane into a higher dimension, we would have what we call 3D or a cube. This is analogous to the dimension of, of space-time that we live in. We live in a three-dimensional uh, universe, three dimensions of space. You can consider time the fourth dimension. Some people do. But what we're talking about here mainly is spatial dimensions or densities. If we then attempted to take this to a further iteration, and extrude it into 4D space, we would be pulling on that cube into another <clears throat> uh, direction, into another dimension of space. And this would form four-dimensional space, which is very difficult for us to visualize <coughs> because we don't live in a four-dimensional world. So on image number 75, the last image to the right in this progression progressing through 0D, 1D, 2D, 3D, and then finally 4D, shows a representation of what a, an extruded cube <clears throat> would appear to us like. <coughs> Sorry about the uh, <coughs> tickle I'm having in my throat, ladies and gentlemen. Hold on. I'm going to just take a sip of water. Okay. Sorry about that, folks. It feels better. Okay, so um, if we imagine the um, 4D space as an extruded cube, it's one way of looking at it. And this image on the right-hand side of image number 75 is a two-dimensional projection. See, th that cube that you're looking at under where it says th over where it says 3D, 
is also a 2D projection. That's just a set of two-dimensional lines, you know, representing an object. That's what we're seeing when we look at this 4D uh, object represented by this series of lines uh, that is made when we extrude a cube. It's just a two-dimensional projection. If we attempted to visualize a hypercube or a tesseract in three-dimensional space, it would look very similar to the image on uh, slide number 76, which is an animated uh, GIF. And you could see the, the graphic animate, and it simply looks like the cube keeps turning through itself. So it's a perpetual loop that is made by turning each one of the faces of the cube in upon itself. And this continues forever, always producing in the center of this um, uh, four-dimensional shape a box or a cube that is contained within a larger cube. So the tesseract or the hypercube is sometimes referred to as the cube within the cube or the box inside the box. In image number 77, we see a static image of the hypercube being attempted to be visualized three-dimensionally on the left-hand side in blue and on the right-hand side there in red, we're seeing a two-dimensional projection of that shape. And this two-dimensional projection forms this octagonal image, which you see on the right there in red. Now, as I said last week, this symbol, I'll pause here on image number 77 to explain what this symbol represents in occult belief systems. In the occult, particularly schools of dark forms of occult thought, the hypercube or tesseract is seen as the imprisonment of the spirit within the physical world. It is seen as the entrapment in this world of matter, of the, the spirit. And I say that that's a dark worldview, that's a dark occult worldview, because this entire construct of the universe is just that, a construct to have experience, to gain experience and to grow and learn. It isn't in and of itself a prison for the spirit. It is a place that the spirit inhabits for a time to learn more about itself. And this dark worldview of seeing it as a hellish prison uh, because of the confines of matter leads to the desire for control within those confines because it's a projection. You're feeling like you've been entrapped and therefore you want to maintain control. So it's a psychological projection of that which you lack onto another person. Feeling like you're imprisoned or trapped is the loss of control within you. And then you're projecting that outward and saying, well, since I don't really have control and I feel trapped and I feel imprisoned, I'm going to do that to someone else so that I feel like I maintain some semblance of control. So how the dark occultists view the entire cosmos, all of reality, is they're imprisoned here. And 
they do not want the laws of nature which govern this entire domain as we've talked about so much on this program what the laws of nature are all about natural law or cosmic law cosmic spiritual law as I've been referring to it now the, the dark occultists do not want do not see these laws as guides they're here to help us to express and grow and learn within boundary conditions that are set up by creation for our betterment they don't see it as such how they see it is that these laws are imprisonment parameters because they want in their imbalanced mindset through through fear and through this dark worldview that everything that all of this is just a prison okay and there's no purpose for it outside of tormenting them they do not want to come into harmony with the laws of nature they don't want the laws of nature to be and this is part of what playing God is someone who wants to be God who, who has such an exalted view of themselves that they look at the entire universe and say I should be separate from that I despise that this even is and I most certainly despise that there are laws that govern this place I want to be the lawmaker I want to decide what is and what is not and unfortunately that's not the place that you live that's not what the universe is it's an impossibility for that to be and like I said when you when someone figures a way out of this universe and into one where natural laws do not apply then let me know we'll talk about that scenario but I haven't uh, seen anyone come out with uh, that knowledge as of yet and um, while we're here let's deal with what the situation is now the old adage of be here now stop worrying about what the conditions are on the other side of a black hole or wormhole stop worrying about what the conditions are in some other parallel reality or other you know higher dimensions of of space-time let's worry about what's going on in this one where we're living and operating and let's gain more awareness about that and attempt some mastery of our current uh, circumstances situations and consciousness because we're completely ignorant of all of those things as a people as a race there are some individuals who are have very good work knowledge of that but few and far between so to get back to this dark occult worldview of seeing the world like a prison this leads to the desire to control and therefore in their occultic system of symbolism the hypercube or the tesseract represents putting other people into their prison that they have created through completely erroneous belief systems it is the symbol that has come to represent the the soft form of mind control in other words it is while people are in inhabiting the physical world they're they're incarnating in the physical world they look at that outer cube as that physical body or, or physical shell or you could even look at it as the entirety of, of physicality of the whole physical world but then inside of that trapped is mind the mind is being held in that 
smaller box so that it can't break outside of that and understand the totality of everything as being a spiritual construct, that that outer cube is spirit. It's not just matter. It's ultimately spirit. But if you hold the mind in the, in the cube in the inside through a form of mind control, it can never expand to understand the deeper waters that it's operating within. It can never come to fully understand the self, in other words. So you're keeping someone back from knowledge of self. That's what the hypercube or tesseract symbol has come to represent in the world of the dark occult. So, knowing that that is the symbol of mind control, the symbol of keeping someone in ignorance, keeping someone duped, keeping them dumbed down so that they cannot understand what's going on around them, and keeping them in complete ignorance of the true nature of self so that they never expand their awareness and come to a wider understanding of mental, emotional, and psychological and spiritual dynamics that are taking place within them and around them. This is what consciousness is about, is understanding those things. And the Tesseract is about destroying those expressions for consciousness. It's about keeping them limited and in a box. You could look at it as consciousness control overall, not just mind control. The limitation of human consciousness is probably one of the best uh, short definitions I could give for what the tesseract or hypercube symbol ultimately represents. And that is a prison within this world. You know, that is technically putting yourself into a cage from wh whence there is basically uh, very, very limited options for escape. If you harden and calcify those belief systems in your own mind, so let's start to take a look at what this symbol, how this symbol is being used in relation to the people who are doing the bidding of the dark occultists, who basically have ascribed this meaning to this conceptual symbol of the hypercube. Image number 78 shows a police eight saw eight cornered hat as it is known and this is the the general a model for a police hat here in the United States they use an octagonally shaped hat now we saw that the hypercube is represented in its 2D projection and one of its 2D projections because there are other ways you could envision the hypercube projected two dimensionally but essentially the 2D projection that is favored in the occult world, particularly the dark occult world, is the octagon, the octagonally shaped hypercube or tesseract. Where, again, is this hat placed? It is placed directly on top of the human head. The top of the head, traditionally, is the place that is ascribed for what is known as the crown chakra, in the Vedic traditions, the energy wheels or chakras representing uh, centers of spiritual activity within the body in that tradition. The crown chakra, whether you believe in the crown chakra or not, the occultists most certainly believe in this energy center, which is a high expression of consciousness. It is the highest chakra that operates within the body. In the Vedic system, yes, there are seven 
in other systems of um, chakra and energy work, people have ascribed more that lay outside of the physical body and at a higher level above the head. However, the one that represents cosmic consciousness or coming into non-dual consciousness, non-duality, is the crown chakra. And this octagonal symbol, which represents mind control, which represents the limitation of human consciousness, okay, is placed directly above, the, on top of the crown chakra, at the actual place that the crown chakra is said to be located in the body, which is the apex of the skull, right at the top of the head. So they're putting the octagon right on top of the sp highest spiritual center within the human physiology. And they're putting that octagon right there symbolically to keep that higher spiritual en energy confined and trap it in the tesseract, the endlessly rotating cube prison in their worldview. And like I said, again, you don't need to believe in the hypercube or tesseract as, as this uh, symbol that they say it represents. But the, the, the people who are controlling these institutions, the military and the police, that is their belief system. The occultists who control those institutions, I'm explaining to you what their belief system is because I've been involved in it and I know what it is. I don't think I know what it is. I do know what it is. I was there with them. I held some of these views in my past until I woke up and gave birth through hard work and enormous suffering to what is known as a conscience. Conscience was finally born in me. And I ceased being the dead and was finally born into true life, into real care. So this symbol, you don't need to agree with the interpre interpretation of the symbol. I'm explaining to you that is the dark occult interpretation of the symbol, and many people do believe in and ascribe that meaning to it. And that's how they're using it. That's why they're putting it there. It's a form of mockery. You're telling this person you're completely shut down spiritually. You're telling them they're in mind you're in mind control. And ultimately what they're saying to them by putting a symbol like this right on top of their head is, I own you. I own you. You are owned by me. You are my puppet. You are my golem. You are my creature that I breathe life into and you will take no actions that I do not command. That is exactly what these occultists are saying to the police. And I I'm going to see if I can have drawn a scene from a ritual that I attended years ago where I was talking to one of the Satanists who was involved and he was laughing so hysterically at the police and saying how much they own them, how much the dark occultists completely own these people's body and mind. And he was laughing so hard, I don't think I've ever seen another grown man, an older gentleman, had to be in his 60s then, maybe uh, late 60s. And he was laughing so hard, tears were coming out of his eyes. And it was a deep, sadistic belly laugh. Just absolutely, totally mocking these people who do their bidding. And he was telling me 
if we came forward and explained our belief system to the people we have under our control, who are actually members of this institution, and think what they're doing is, you know, serving the people, if, if we came forward and told them all of the different connections of how we own these institutions ultimately through, through the financial system, and we told them what we think of them, and we showed them the symbolism that we use to mock them, they wouldn't believe us. He said, we have them so totally mind-controlled that if we, can, if we ourselves at the highest levels of the hierarchy of occultism came forward and explained it to them, they would not even believe us. We, we would essentially not be able to tell them they're so totally controlled and so totally given over to our uh, influence that if we came forward and explained to them exactly as it is, they would say, oh, absolutely, that can't be. It cannot be. I refuse to accept that that's the case, that that's how it is, and they wouldn't even believe their own masters. That's how much, that's how deep into the mind control that they are. And I agree with them. That's true. So what I wonder and I put this uh, sort of comical image here in image number 79 because it, it, it says so much and so, you know, with really one word. This is what really it's going to take is basically saying stop. But it just, it shows you where the mindset, it's kind of almost on my part even meant to be a subtle jab or a little bit of mockery on the part of these people because... It, it, the, what the occultists are saying is true. What the dark occult is saying about the police is the case. I can't tell anyone without being dishonest that what the dark occultists are saying about these people is true. They're not intelligent. They don't have intelligence. They don't know what's going on around them. They don't have any care. They don't have any personal responsibility. They have all proxies for that. It's things that they believe that aren't true that that they think represent all those things. They think they're courageous, but their courage is a proxy because it doesn't take real courage to get behind a bullying institution based on violence. That's basically hiding. That's not really standing out and speaking any truth. That's saying, oh, I want to be, be a member of the team that happens to be the toughest right now so that uh, uh, you know, m my aggression will, will probably remain the least checked. Because that's how these people think. They're, a lot of these people are just people who want to do harm to other people. And they, they filter into an institution that will allow them to get that done. Largely unchecked due to the belief in authority. Due to the largely unchallenged belief in authority in this country and throughout the world. And that's what's leading us into this dark new world order. Is this belief in authority. But... To me, this archetypally represents the typical police officer here in image number 79. You could say that's as harsh as you want or as insulting, whatever. I don't, it doesn't matter because it's the case. These are individuals who largely don't have any real learning under their belt. Even if you can say, well, that some of them are intelligent, oh, they can make detective or et cetera, and they have logical thinking ability, that's, this is all left brain intelligence. They have no heuristic thinking ability. They have no big picture thinking. Their intuition is shut down. That's why they're terrible at judging situations at face value. And all they want to do is step in and take control. That's it. 
Take control. Control the situation. Don't try to figure out the truth of the situation. Control it. This is all left brain, and that's not intelligence, as we talked about weeks ago. That's not what intelligence is. That's called, uh, at the, the very best, some intellect which is divorced from the right side or sacred feminine side of the brain, which deals with creativity, intuition, nurturing, creative thinking, and um, heuristic thinking. But police don't have that. They're not intelligent. No matter how intellectual they are, that's not what real intelligence is. Any real intelligent individual would never do this job for any reason, for any money, under any circumstances. Because they realize you can't do any real good attempting to continue to control people. The only real good that can ever come about is attempting to educate people. Truly educate, which means to lead out from. From educare in Latin, meaning lead out from. That's what education really is. And what you're leading them out of is darkness. The darkness of a worldview that is devoid of spirit and is devoid of true compassion. And this is all att- this whole presentation I'm making is attempting is a, is an outreach that is done in true care to attempt to outreach to these individuals to show them how they're being completely accosted non-verbally accosted by the people who own them who own their asses. And they own their ass because they own their mind. They've given their mind over to these people and their worldview. And uh, I'm not sure why we're hearing uh, bumper music. Maybe this is something that's coming up at the top of the hour. But um, I apologize for that, ladies and gentlemen. Hopefully uh, this won't go to a break and people are still hearing me through this. Um... Ladies and gentlemen, we're back. I apologize for that break. I'm not sure whether they kept in that one break at the top of the hour uh, for for some reason, but I, I will talk about it with the producers of the show after um, after the show and try to work that out with them. But getting back into the subject material, um, we're talking about the hypercube symbolism, and we were looking at image number. Um, 79, I believe it was, which was a picture of a cop holding up a octagonal stop sign. Uh, we'll talk about later the uh, concept of the stop sign in general as being a representation of the hypercube. But um, just uh, the thought that I threw this in for is uh, I just wonder when the police will say stop to their masters, if ever. And... Um, um, Really, that's what needs to be done, is that these people have to say no. Uh, The concept of apophysis needs to be engaged in. And that's the problem, is that not enough people will say no. And if we aren't saying no, if we refuse to stand up and say no, we are tacitly saying yes to this agenda of imprisonment, this agenda of enslavement, and this encroaching police state that is going to destroy our... uh, uh, attempt to usurp and destroy our natural freedoms. So, uh, let's continue to take a look at some other hypercube symbolism. One of the other um, 
ways that the hypercube is represented in a more simplistic fashion is a double square. Okay, if you see two squares put together, this has a hidden octagon in, again, the negative space, which the occultists always love to use. But moreover, it represents these two boxes, uh, the prison of the physical world as the dark occultists see it, and the prison of the mind, which uh, they are holding people in through uh, putting out all of the completely erroneous worldviews and um, the lies, the blatant lies that they spread through their media. So it's mind control and it's imprisonment within the physical body, which is their overarching worldview because they want to be God and they want to not have natural law. They want to be the lawmakers. And when it comes down to it, folks, man is not any lawmaker. The creator is the maker of laws. Natural laws are the only laws that exist. It's up to us to discover their existence and then bring our consciousness into harmony with those laws. And that is the way, that is the only way to peace, prosperity, and freedom. That's it. It's not going to happen any other way. If you think it's going to happen any other way, I hate to burst your bubble, but you are incorrect. You are wrong. It will not happen through the reform of politics. It will not happen through the reform of finance. It will not happen through any external shuffling of external institutions around. You are rearranging furniture on a sinking ship. So the only way that's going to happen is through aligning one's consciousness with the laws that are already ex extant in nature, meaning they already exist and it's up to us to recognize their existence because these are occulted laws. They are hidden from sight. The creator didn't just, doesn't post signs saying, here's the laws of creation. You know, it's up to you to develop consciousness and develop awareness enough to recognize that those laws are in place. And then make the decision to align your behavior within the, the parameters of right action. And the problem is so many people don't understand the difference between right action and wrong action that they continue to choose the wrong over the right and justify that immoral behavior. And the police are among the top um, uh, people who are guilty of that mode of behavior, of that, that immoral behavior, because they don't understand sovereignty and they don't understand the difference between force and violence. And what they're engaged in ultimately is violence against the people because they engage in so many activities that they have absolutely no right to on people who have harmed no one else. Just because someone, some other flawed man wrote down a law saying, because I want it this way and I've convinced another, a bunch of other people that I want it this way, that that's the way that it should be. Having absolutely nothing to do with the laws of nature. So uh, a researcher that I highly respect and admire, and uh, I've said many times before that if people had a tenth of this gentleman's courage, the world would be free tomorrow morning, by tomorrow morning. Say whatever you will about his research, okay? If anybody had the courage that this person had, we wouldn't have the problems that we have in the world. It would solve itself just on that dynamic alone, let me tell you. And that's David Icke. David Icke, from his book, The Biggest Secret, made this statement regarding the double square symbolism. And, uh, you know, a lot of people who criticize this man, uh, I want to just have a brief aside. I've 
probably said this before, but it always helps to reiterate it. A lot of the people who have criticized this individual have never really looked at his research. They've heard a couple of things he's done through YouTube or something like that, and they've, they've, they've heard it out of context, or they've, they've just listened a bit. I ask people whenever they say something negative about David, like, let me ask you something. Have you ever read, like, even 10 of his books? You know, because he has, like, 18 books or something now. And I've read over half of them. I, I'm on, right now, I'm reading Children of the Matrix. I'm about two-thirds through it. And if you start his books in progression and really read them and then look at the source material that, that he's uh, referencing in these books, it's a study unto itself. that would, You would not be able to complete the study of all the material that he references as resources in his books. You would go on forever for multiple lifetimes. That's how in-depth the research that he does and the, and the sourcing that he cites. So uh, just checking out one of his books will lead you to like a hundred others. You know, and that will grow from there because then those will have sourced and referenced materials as well and it branches out like, you know, the limbs of a tree. But uh, Ike talks about this uh, double square symbolism in his book, The Biggest Secret. And you see here on the left in image number 81, the Sussex police logo uh, formed by these uh, two um, overlapping squares with, of course, the crown above them, suggesting that really what they're upholding is the divine right to rule of the monarchy. And here's what Ike says about the double square symbolism. He says the double square, one square on top of another in any form, is more secret society symbolism. In the secret language of symbolism, one square on top of another means control of all that is right and all that is wrong, all that is just and all that is unjust, all that is positive and all that is negative. In other words, we control everything. That's what this symbolism means. I told you that the hypercube or tesseract is a symbol of control, namely mind control and the control of the spirit. And once you have control of the mind, someone has given up connection to their true spirit and they have also ultimately given up their body because the mind is what directs the actions of the body and if someone else is controlling that, they're ultimately controlling you physically. So that's why the mind needs to be controlled. That's why mind control techniques are used by these occultists. They know that they're not going to just go in and snatch control over the spirit. And they know if they just attempted to control the body outwardly, that there would be too much pushback and resistance against that because it would be so in people's face that they would know overtly that they are being held as chattel property by the people attempting it. So the mind has to be controlled to keep people in what is known as the prison without bars the most dangerous and enduring prison that there is. So that's a, an excellent analysis of this symbolism by David Icke. What, and he wasn't even involved in the occult and came to that understanding. So I have to have tremendous a admiration for this individual understanding that and figuring it out just through research. The next symbol starts to show more examples of how this symbolism is used. And you're going to see it again associated with being placed on the head, specifically in the region of the third eye and crown chakras, which are the chakras representing knowledge, knowledge of self, 
and the concept of non-dualism or higher consciousness. So, in image number 82, that's an animated GIF. Uh, um, if you look at the progression of the animated GIF, you'll see that it will highlight the two squares on the police officer's head. And you see it used here in conjunction with the checkerboard floor of the house. And I believe this is Sussex police. I think this is an English police officer, okay, from England. Um, the uh, first progression of animation shows simply the outlines of the two squares. Then you see in the, in the negative space that is traced by the overlapping outlines, the octagon. This is ultimately what they're placing. There's that two-dimensional projection of the hypercube inside these two overlapping squares. And this is how occult symbolism works. We saw this with the use of negative space and other symbols on previous podcasts. We're going to see the hypercube symbol in the next image, image number 83. Okay, another Sussex Police logo. You can see it even larger and more clearly on this uh, police officer's head, right on top of the head, between the third eye chakra and the crown chakra. Okay? And you see the progression. And I fill in the negative space with the octagon. The next image shows you the usage in conjunction with the checkerboard floor of the hat uh, of the house. I'm sorry. Uh, it is on a hat, a police hat. And uh, just take a look at the looks on these individuals' faces. And I think that tells you all you need to know. If you're in any way conscious already, you look at the stare. And you know that stare already. And you know what I'm talking about. And that is the stare of one who knows not the self. That's what it is. The empty-eyed look of someone who has absolutely no idea what truth is has no idea what freedom is, has no idea what true responsibility is, has no idea what true care is, and most certainly has not developed a connection with the true self. They have never gone within. They're trapped in ego. They're trapped in mind. And their mind is owned by someone else. And if they met, let me tell you, if, you, if these people even met who owned them, just for a brief time, just on that alone, if you could just sit, just to be in the presence of some of these real occultists, who I have to admit are some of the most intellectually advanced people in the world because they read. I wouldn't use the word intelligent anymore just to describe them because they don't have that connection to the sacred feminine, the right mind. But uh, they know quite a bit. They, have, they possess knowledge. That's why they're using it. That's why they call themselves illuminated ones. They don't call themselves the illuminated ones for no reason. They, that's because they have the light. They have knowledge. But they're using that light as a weapon on other people. What they know, they turn around and use as a weapon of mind control on someone else. They're not using it for the elevation of human consciousness. They're using it for the suppression of human consciousness. And this is the result here in image number 84. People who think they're involved in something that's good, don't understand that what they're involved in is entirely, the entire foundational ideological basis for what they are involved in, for the institution that they serve, is violence. That is the ideological basis for government. Violence. 
not the proper justified use of force, it's violence. And on top of their head, wrapped around their brain, is the symbol of base consciousness and not knowing the difference between right and wrong and not knowing the self. The very symbol that represents in occultism those concepts, not knowing the difference between right and wrong, not knowing the self, having absolutely no idea about how the laws of nature function is the checkerboard floor of the house. Base consciousness wrapped around the brain of all of these individuals. Then on top of that, as if that isn't a bad enough insult, they place the symbol representing the double square or the octagonal hypercube or tesseract, which is the symbol in the dark occult representing total mind control, the total control of the body, mind, and spirit. I feel very sorry for these individuals. It's so sad. It's like an animal that's being tortured really, is, is the, the emotional response I really get when I see this. As much as I, you know, despise the actions of these individuals, I don't despise them at the essence of their true being, at the level of the essence of their true being. I want to help draw them out of that spiritual darkness that they're living in every day of their lives. So, you know, I've said people need to present this material to police to help them to understand why I'm exposing this. Why I'm exposing this symbolism, this is, this is wordless mockery and you're being made a fool of because you're involved in something that you don't understand what it is at all because you've never really opened yourself up to real knowledge. If you did, you wouldn't be doing what you're doing. You would understand it to be a lie. And if you're honest with yourself, ah, there's the key. If you're honest with yourself, you would desist in those wrongful actions. I can't remember the philosopher who said it. He said, uh, when an honest man realizes that he is mistaken, he either ceases being mistaken or ceases being honest. I'll, I'll look up the reference, but uh, truer words were never spoken. If you're truly honest and you recognize the wrongness of your behavior because it's based in violence, you'll stop doing it if you're going to remain honest. Other than Otherwise, you'll probably offer some endless justification trying to turn a wrong into a right which can never be done. But ultimately, these are, these are children who can be manipulated in their naive mind state. And uh, some would say, I was, I was once there. I don't think I was ever to the point where I was manipulable to this level. I, I wanted power over other people. But it wasn't that, you know, I deeply believed in the concept of authority to get that power. You know, I wanted to do it on a personal level in direct interactions with people one-on-one, -on -one, you know, to get a one-up on them in, in interactions in life situations. I never had the desire to go into an institution that I thought was bigger and better than me and be a team member that would dress up in a, in a uniform uh, to, to go and be able to, to push people around. That was never my mental attitude. I don't think I was ever that mentally naive and immature and, you know, spiritually shut down. Um, although my worldview was probably even much darker than how these people think of the world. That's why I got involved in the dark occult. But uh, to reiterate, I don't hate these people at the soul level. I, I hate their actions. I hate what they're continuing to do with their body. At the soul level, I feel horrible, horribly sorry, pitifully sorry 
for where they're at spiritually, mentally, emotionally, psychologically. It's a terrible state to be in. You know, some would say maybe I wasn't there. Maybe I was even in a worse place at one time. They went even farther down past that place to the level of the, the mindset of the people who control and own these individuals. But if they, if they witness that worldview and they witness that energy, if they could sense that energy just for a moment, I think the, the goodness within them would, would win out and they would, they would want not to do what they're doing anymore. They would develop that desire. But unfortunately, that's not everyone's experience. I'm, I'm, I say I'm, it was like a curse and a blessing simultaneously to have gone through that experience because it left me on the doorstep of death and the, the abyss of unimaginable human suffering, yet it opened my eyes to the true reality of the world and what's taking place around me. So in that sense, it was a blessing in disguise and I would not take back all the suffering that led to, to my level of knowledge. I would not, do, I would do it again the same way probably because um, it was meant to work out that way. It was, that was its purpose, that journey. So uh, continuing with some of the symbolism, I think I've said enough about that image and how I view these individuals. Um, but um, image number 85 again shows the, uh, it's an army symbol that shows the um, double square once again in a different arrangement here. Image number 86 shows the army special forces patches and it is octagonally shaped. I did put that white border around it to emphasize the shape of the patch because it was really laying on a dark background. So um, I just highlighted the edge of the patch. This is an octagonally shaped patch. And you'll see octagon-shaped patches over and over and over again in both of these institutions. I'm going to take a little bit of time on the next image, which is image number 87. This is also an animated GIF image in which it will go through a progression of outlining different pieces of the uh, symbolism contained in this uh, Medal of Valor. I said a couple of weeks ago that the Medal of Valor is one of the darkest and most satanic emblems that exists in either of these institutions, the military or the police. And this is a military symbol prevented, uh, presented by um, uh, high levels of the military to people who uh, they consider have gone beyond the call of duty. And it is a complete ritualistic mockery of the individuals who are engaged in taking part in the perpetuation of the, the never-ending altar of sacrifice in this world known as war. This symbol has so many different satanic symbolism, so much different satanic symbolism, symbolism in it that it is a veritable hodgepodge of satanic imagery. So let's start to break it down. The first aspect that I want to look at with this symbol is something that I have not really covered much and didn't even touch on it when I talked about this um, symbol in the Free Your Mind conference, and that is the trapezoid. The trapezoid is considered a soul catcher in the dark occult. 
You know, like a, a dream catcher is considered a protector of the soul. The trapezoid is considered an ensnarement or a snare for the soul, similar to a pentagram with a broken arm. The, the, the cloven hoof or the devil's footprint or the pentagram of Pax or Faustian pentagram, which we covered a couple of weeks back. The, um, the um, trapezoid is considered another catch for the soul, similar to how the tesseract or hypercube is considered a catch or a prison for the mind. This is the spiritual snare. Okay, It is considered the primary shape of Satanism. I didn't say emblem. I said the primary archetypal shape. The five-pointed star is the primary inverted, is the primary symbol or sigil of Satanism. But the primary shape that is ascribed to the ideology of Satanism by Satanists themselves is the trapezoid. And in ritual chambers that I myself participated in and constructed, I used mirrored trapezoids, trapezoids, actual mirrors that were cut into trapezoids so that they would throw light at certain angles. The trapezoid is the top of the haunted house, okay? It's the, the way that a house is, is uh, at the top level on a house that's considered like an old Victorian style house that's kind of, you know, creepy or spooky. There's reasons for these angles being the way that they are. Angles represent hardened worldviews. Curves represent smoothness. Okay, Angles, often skewed angles like this, where one side is shorter than the other, are used over and over again in the dark occult to elicit a certain emotional response. And that emotional response is tension. Tension. This is the energy that is used, that is, that is gathered in the rituals that are conducted by dark occultists. It is negative, tense, emotional energy. And that's what they gather and work with. And if you will, throw or project. The, the trapezoid is the main symbol with its skewed nature and the angles that it employs to represent that concept of tense energy. And there can be no better example of that kind of energy than war. I don't know if anybody can think of any better example of that energy. Looking at this symbol here in uh, slide number 87, we also can see that a trapezoid is an upward pointing triangle with the capstone cut off with the top or apex of the pyramid or triangle removed. And this represents the prison for the soul in the symbol on the reverse side of the great seal on the back of the $1 bill, which we've broken down extensively. We see that the light is above and then the stone is below, and that stone is in the shape of a trapezoid, representing the trap for the mind and the trap for the spirit. That's the cage. That's the prison that we need to break past, break through all those barriers, through those walls, to reach the light, to join with the light that is above us, that is the light of the creator, to make a connection to the higher self, to make a connection to the true spirit of creation. And therefore, that one eye 
is being removed and all you're left with is the base consciousness, the, the consciousness that is hardened and calcified as a trap for the soul. That's why the trapezoid is called a trapezoid. I mean, it's right there in the word, ladies and gentlemen. It's a trap. This is the archetypal symbolic shape that represents a trap. Okay? And that's why they're using it as the hinge for this metal. It's the spiritual trap. And you're in a spiritual trap if you believe in the principles of the armed forces. You believe in their ideology and what they're doing is in any way representing or bringing freedom to the world. Because they are the enforcement arm for these dark occultists and they're nothing but that. And I'm saying it as clearly and succinctly as I can with no apology because there's no more time to sugarcoat this, folks. We're way past that point. Now, what is embedded within this ribbon arrangement? Because that's what the top part is, is a ribbon. And then the rest of the symbol hangs on that ribbon. It is attached to it. Well, we have the octagon. The octagon is attached right into the trapezoid. So this is another satanic or dark occult symbology. Being overlaid on the one that is primary, which is the trapezoid. And I didn't explain that part because it, took a, it takes a little bit to get to that understanding of what the trapezoid represents. But go and read the Satanic Bible and Satanic Rituals yourself by LeVay. He is very straightforward and forthright about the symbolism of the trapezoid. He says it right. He, I believe in the Satanic Bible, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. It might be one of his other books. He says that it does represent the pyramid with the capstone missing with the capstone thrown away because that's the stone the builders rejected. The, the apex or, or pyramidion, the capstone, is the, is the stone that the dark builders, the dark masons, the dark occultists have rejected. They have thrown away the light of the creator because they want to build that dominator world that's based in their image and likeness, which is represented by the work and progress of the trapezoid. But you see now the octagon or hypercube being added to this mix. This is, a, this is a sigil, ladies and gentlemen. It's not a symbol. The Medal of Valor is a, an outright sigil that is communicating dark occult concepts and worldviews to the wearer, to the person that's being presented. And, and wordlessly, like I said, they're not going to understand what this represents. They're all, oh, I'm so proud, you know. They're not understanding that they're being completely and utterly mocked to their face, but without words, all with symbols. And because they're symbol illiterate, they are illiterate, meaning they cannot read this language of symbols. This is a language. So going back to the symbolism contained in this uh, metal, the octagon, again, represents mind control. So now you have the spiritual trap and then mind control. And then we have the double square arrangement inside the octagon. It is, it is a skewed double square arrangement that looks like two overlapping planes made from two squares. You could see that in the third frame of the animation. I highlight the first square in the second frame and then the second 
square comes into view in the third frame, and then the octagon around those star that star arrangement uh, is shown in the fourth frame of the image. Underneath the trapezoid, octagon, and double square, three symbols of the total control of the being, and that's just the we haven't gotten to the metal. That's the ribbon. You see a, a trident that is associated with, uh, the word valor is a word that generally just means courage, okay? Um, the, the trident underneath is another symbol of dark energy associated with Poseidon the, and, uh, in the Greek tradition and the underworld in various occult traditions. And you see that the concept of as above, so below is represented because it's not only a trident at the top, it's a trident at the bottom. And it's comprised of intertwining or um, a helical, double helical shape that could be serpentine, interpreted as serpentine, based on a serpent. It's not doesn't have a serpent's head there, but it's a clear reference to serpentine imagery. And this ultimately is representing of keeping the uh, again you could look at it as the the serpentine image and then it's ruled by the trident which is associated with the dark god okay you could look at this as that's the spinal column or that is the middle pillar and it's completely being covered it's completely being ruled by this dark energy and what is that dark energy well it's the the arrows of war that are depicted behind it I'm not quite sure if the other part is like a lightning bolt. It looks like a lightning bolt to me, but it's certainly arrows, which are war symbols. And the eagle, a bird of prey. They like the eagle symbol, of course, because of its predatory uh, nature and coming from above, from a higher position. Very similar to why they like the owl symbolism, a predatory bird that s descends on its prey from a higher position or a higher level of awareness. So this is um, another symbol of the subversion of consciousness in this middle piece of the symbol. It is saying, we, we have control over your entire spiritual nature. We have control over all of the, the energies that are aligned in the central part of the body, the chakra system, or the, the, the energy wheels that are aligned within the spinal column, and we own that. You know, we're shutting that down, and on top of it, at the very top of it, we're putting the uh, symbols of mind control and, sp and spiritual enslavement, spiritual entrapment. So it can't really get much, you, when, just when you think it can't really get any much more, uh, any much darker than has already been explained, we see the darkest part of the symbol and perhaps, or not even perhaps, definitely the most overt satanic aspect of this symbol for anyone who is even remotely paying attention. And that's the inverted pentagram. The inverted pentagram is hanging in the central, that's the central part of the metal, the, the most important part of the metal that is dangling at the bottom part of this metal. And again, the inverted pentagram represents the destruction of the spiritual nature and the raising of duality represented by the two points above. And inside, inside the... Um, 
circle that is at the heart of this inverted pentagram, which we've already seen as a satanic symbol, is the sacred feminine, the goddess energy contained within the heart of the, of the inverted pentagram. Unbelievable. Right in the middle of it. So the goddess energy, the sacred feminine energy of care, not being, not being invoked here. It's being suppressed here. It's being put into an inverted pentagram. They're telling you, good job. You've totally annihilated and cremated your care, if you ever had any to begin with. By participating in the war we told you to go and engage in. Not to protect the freedoms of the people here. If the, if the military wanted to protect the freedoms of the people here, it would be um, basically standing up to this tyrannical government that we have. It wouldn't be going off and waging illegal wars of imperialistic aggression on other nations and their peoples. It would be saying, hey, I signed and I agreed to an oath to defend and protect the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And there's lots of domestic enemies that are fascist, socialist, communist, that are working toward the further centralization of globalist power in this country right in the governmental structure. And if you want to defend this country, we need to do it from the inside before we even worry about what's going on outside this country. So if you're patriotic and nationalistic, which I don't even think is really, uh, you know, the only reason I think that those uh, worldviews have any weight whatsoever is because at least this country has attempted at one point in its history to really be free. And you could talk, point out all the foibles and, and different uh, failings of that effort. And yes, I would say failings of that effort because it didn't really hold. It did not stick. And it, it was based in aggression and imperialism, not because of beating back the British, but because of taking the lands that we took from the Native Americans, the native inhabitants of this land, which were already here before we ever got here. You start a country based on that kind of karmic uh, debt, uh, what do you think is going to come back to you? What, what, what do you think is going to rebound and boomerang back to you? So as much, many problems, uh, uh, certainly many moral problems there were with the beginnings of this country, at least some of the concepts and principles of true freedom were elucidated and enunciated by the founders. <clears throat> and they did attempt, perhaps too late, to try to um, imbue those principles and, and bring them forward so that other people could understand them. But they, didn't, they weren't working with a population that was intelligent enough, holistically intelligent enough, and didn't really care enough, obviously. Hey, 95% of those people, like, were content to sit back as, you know, passive observers during the American Revolution and do nothing. About 5% of the population engaged in the American Revolutionary War, even in an ancillary capacity. So look at, look at what we were already, the ignorance we were already dealing with or at our inceptions as a nation, let alone what we've bred now. It, it's it's her horrific. But not to belabor that point, let's go back to some more octagonal symbolism or symbolism of uh, the hypercube and see where this is used at, uh, not necessarily in 
police and military symbolism, but just in some other areas of society. The stop sign, a symbol of mind control. And it's red, associated with the left brain, keeping people in the left brain. The word stop is on it, which means don't progress, stay where you are at. And this is a subliminal message. It's not even subliminal. It's obviously just blatant, but it goes down to a subliminal level of, of the subconscious mind, seeing it every single day on every single street corner practically. And it's a symbol of the hypercube, the symbol of control, of the control over the mind, of not thinking for oneself, of not engaging critical thinking, of not reading, of not understanding, of not making forward progress, saying stop, stay still, don't go, don't go forward. Again, frequency control being employed through the use of the color red and the shape, of course, being the two-dimensional projection of the hypercube. When we talk about institutions that basically don't help people to think critically but are doing direct violence and damage to the treasure of treasures within man, which is the human brain and its ability to, to cognize and think and analyze and create and intuit things and imagine we see the sport here in uh, number uh, image number 89, uh, the octagon being the uh, symbol of cage fighting in the mixed martial arts world. And I'm not saying I have no respect for martial arts, ladies and gentlemen. Please don't get me wrong. These, are, these have definitive proper uses in the world, all of the martial arts, and they're often combined with spiritual studies. But to then needlessly, for sport, engage in activities which you don't really need to be engaging in until you're ready to truly use these things in defense of your rights. And to just go into this octagonally shaped ring, this cage, and pound on one another until ultimately someone gets knocked out, damage is being done to the human brain. This is why sport like this has even been invented. And yeah, you know, I, I understand people who respect this as an art, as an art form. And it is that. I'm not even going to say these people are, are tr highly trained. It's amazing what they can do with the physical body. And again, there's a place for that. But I don't, I don't feel that the place is going and competing before you need to actually use these skills in the real world. You know, sparring may be one thing, but, um, this is just all male ego and seeing who the, the tough guy is, you know? And, f and secondly, in the modern world, hand-to-hand -hand combat's going to come in at the very last effort, you know, if it has to come to that. That's why it's so important to make sure we don't lose the inherent right that we already have to defend ourselves with uh, physical gun weaponry. I, hey, I'm, not, I'm a peaceful human being. I don't, again, I said, I don't want to see it come to that. But I understand the importance of the Second Amendment and what its original intent was and why uh, the, the founders only used the term necessary one time in the Constitution of the United States. Once. You just think about that fact. The word necessary exists one time in the whole Constitution. 
That means out of all the things they put down and as frugal as they were about language and how they did not use words that they didn't need to use to try to be as specific and um, um, unambiguous about their meanings as possible, they used the word necessary only once. And that was a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the public to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. That's it. It's about as unambiguous as it gets. And people try to twist the definition of what a militia is. A militia is able-bodied citizenry. It isn't the armed services or the National Guard. It's able-bodied citizenry. It's the able-bodied inhabitants of this land. That's who the militia is. And that means that's a well-regulated militia, meaning they need to know how to use their firearms. They need to be trained in how to use them. Because that's the thing that's acting as a buffer zone, as a preventative for the encroachment of tyranny. And the founders understood that. And unfortunately, you got a bunch of morons in the world today that don't understand that. Because they're of these little boy and girl sensibilities that because, oh, I'm, I'm abhorred by violence, we're not, who's talking about violence? No one's advocating the abuse, the abuse of firearms. There is a proper use and then there is, everything else is abuse or abuse. I'm not advocating abuse. The proper use of them is defense against tyranny. That's why automatic weapons exist, to defend from the encroachment of violent behavior. And yeah, it, it will work just as well on a thief or you know somebody who is uh, raping someone's uh, daughter or wife. It'll work just as well on that person, but that's even the ancillary usage. The primary usage is so that the people can defend themselves from the government. And anybody that doesn't understand that, I'm, I'm sorry. I, again, I'm not going to sit here and give um, extensive historical references to help people to understand this. What I'm going to do is simply call you a naive child. Because if you haven't gotten this from even a cursory examination of human history, you're, you're stupid. You are willfully ignorant, is what you are. Willfully ignorant. So let's go back to one more example of uh, just to I know I went off into that tangent about firearms from looking at mixed martial arts because we were talking about defense. But, you know, we're, we're talking about here the frivolous use of this art form of this um, defensive um, these defensive tools, which are called the mixed martial arts. This is a frivolous usage of them. I would consider it an abuse of them because you're putting the greatest gift that's given to you by the creator, the human brain, in jeopardy for, not for no reason. When you need to break these skills out, that's the time to do it, and then you, you take a chance endangering the, the brain. But to do that frivolously, I have a problem. I have a per personal problem with that. People are perfectly allowed to look at it how, how they will. But I'm telling you, I think that's a stupid decision. 
And again, the octagon is associated with this because it's doing damage to the brain and therefore ultimately the mind. Fort Knox in image number 90, and again, that's another animated image for those following in the image section on whatonearthishappening.com, the radio show page, or along with the podcast, is um, an octagon surrounds the building where allegedly, you know, ostensibly, the gold of this country is stored, the vast majority of it. Many people would dispute that there isn't even any back, any uh, gold stored there. Not any, but not the numbers that we claim to have available on reserve. It's not that it's acting as a backing for the fiat currency that we have anyway. But um, you see here that I would say that this symbolically, again, represents the imprisonment of spiritual gold. See, gold being a symbol of enlightenment, of the divine essence, the spark of the divine within us. It's always been considered gold, the sun, the light. These are interchangeable symbols in the art of alchemy, in the, in the science of alchemy. So they're putting the gold of the nation into the octagon, the octagonally shaped Fort Knox. This is sim a symbolic reference to mind control of the population. You're, you're containing or imprisoning what is ultimately their spiritual gold or their, the essence of the true self. In George Orwell's movie 1984, I'm sorry, in his book 1984, the movie that was made by it, uh, made uh, uh, based on it, I believe this one was from the early 1980s, if I'm not mistaken. We have the image of Big Brother. This is image number 91. So Big Brother is up on a screen and it's an octag octagonally shaped screen. Big Brother's image, representative of the English Socialist Party, Ingsoc, okay, is projected up there for the five minutes of hate. And this is where all the people rally to pledge their support to Big Brother and hate our enemies because we are the, we are the good guys and we are the ones who have the real moral fiber and we have to go and get the bad guys on the other side of the world, the enemies in in Eurasia and East Asia, uh, which happened to be the particular enemy of the day, just dependent upon who the Ministry of Truth decides is the enemy for that day. And this is a symbol of mind control once again. And it's used perfectly in this movie. Whether that was intended or not by the makers of this film remains to be seen. But, you know, this could be an example of what is known as synchromysticism, art imitating life and a truth coming through uh, in a uh, creative work, such as a film. So let's look at, we're going to transition now from looking at just symbolism to looking at wordplay. And this is something that many people won't get because they're too left-brained imbalanced and can't see the dynamic of what is known as green language or if you want to look this up, look up the language of the birds. This is alchemical pun language. It is not meant to be taking, taken 100% totally literally, nor even as the direct intent of the people who came up with a specific word. 
it could also be an example of synchromysticism working itself out in the universe to bring certain things to our attention. And we need to be conscious enough to recognize the pattern. This is why the alchemists called it the language of the birds. It's something you have to be quiet to hear. You have to have a balanced brain to be able to interpret or read this language. It is verbal, but it is verbal and symbolic simultaneously. And I've given many examples of this over, uh, you know, in past shows. And again, this is something that people will completely negate and try to say, oh, it's all nonsense and that's silly. It isn't silly when you understand how these occultists love little, seemingly funny, innocuous things. They're difficult for the uninitiated to see. But if people engage in this dynamic and look at how language has been structured, particularly in English, you will see this language of the birds or what is known as green language come up over and over again. So we're going to look at language we're also going to look at number later on in this presentation, which is known as gematria, occult numerology, and how that is often used to ritualistically mock the police, specifically the police. The military also, but the police, there's a lot of gematria used in their symbolism. But we're going to look at, briefly here, uh, to, to wrap up this show, some of the word puns that are used in conjunction with police. So image number 92 shows the word police, okay? The word police can be broken down into P-O-L and then I-C-E if we break it down right in the middle. So we have pole, and that's the root for people, okay? And then I-C-E, ice. Pole, ease, but in green language, long and short vowel sounds can be interchanged. You can also... In the language that you're using it, state the name of a letter. So if I wanted to say the letter C in place of C or say the letter P in place of the just the letter, use the actual phonetic pronunciation of the word, that's another way that green language is invoked. What is pole ice? So P-O-L, the, the phonetic Variation, the actual phonetic word, word that you're speaking when you say P-O-L with a long O sound is not changed when we add an E. So anything that doesn't really change the sound of the word can be used. Things that can change the sound of the word can be used to add on to things in green language to, to then interpret the meaning. You, can in, you could interchange the name of a letter for its phonetic pronunciation, and you can change long and short vowel sounds, okay? So, pole ice, if we break this down, pronounce the first part and then the second part as we would normally read it in English. We add an E to P-O-L, so we, we still have the sound pole, but it means a pole, okay, meaning a staff, a vertical staff like a, a flagpole or a telephone pole, okay? Ice, we know what that is. It's frozen water. And again, 
Freemasonry is all about the freezing and thawing of our water, which is our care. The dynamic in alchemy representing water is the emotions. The 32nd degree of Freemasonry is the place where even some advanced Masons get to, but they never go, many never get to the 33rd degree, which is the temperature, if we think of degrees not as hierarchical system, but as literally temperature degrees, that, that water begins to thaw. Water melts. It is frozen 32 and below, but at 33 and above, it is free-flowing. And that's what this is about, not keeping our emotions frozen. Integrating the emotions so that they are ultimately guiding us where our actions need to go. So this is intimately connected with Freemasonry. This word itself, police, is a subtle Freemasonic, I would say dark Freemasonry, dark masonry. I, I don't even want to use the term Freemasonry in conjunction with dark masonry. All real masonry is Freemasonry. Pretenders to Freemasonry are dark masons. They are the dark builders. They're not building freedom. You know, that's what Freemasonry is all about. Understanding the laws of nature so that you can truly be born in conscience. That's what this allegorical symbol, this, this allegory and symbol. And we looked into this tradition for many weeks on past shows. Just go and pull them from the archives. We talked about what real, true, esoteric Freemasonry is versus what the lodge system of today has become and how it has been infiltrated. But um, <clears throat> the concept of the thawing of water is Freemasonic. The concept of pole symbolism, the symbolism of polarities is also symbolic, namely the polarity between the sun and the moon. And then the middle pillar, which is the pole that must be climbed, that is known as Jacob's Ladder, must be climbed to get off the floor of the house, the checkerboard floor of the house, which represents lack of knowledge of higher laws, of cosmic spiritual laws, the laws of creation, and remaining in base consciousness. Climbing that middle pillar or pole grants us access to higher levels of awareness through the usage of the key in this image, which represents true care, to awaken to a higher level of, of reality by going through the stargate, which is illumination, Illumin illuminating ourselves through knowledge and then putting that knowledge into action, which is the climb of the middle pillar, which is wisdom. Putting knowledge into action is wisdom. That's why it's the middle pillar, the pillar of wisdom or will, which ultimately grants us a, a renewed connection with the divine that is within us, which is why the all-seeing eye or the ionic pillar, the all-seeing eye is above the ion pillar. This is word pun. There's, there's green language right in the symbolism of the first degree tracing board. So police calling them pole ice is a form of mockery. If there is ice upon the pole that needs to be climbed to get out of base consciousness and to arrive at a higher level of awareness and understanding, if you're acting as the ice, not only can't you climb that pole, you make it very difficult for anyone else to make that climb either. Because this that's what this is all about, making a climb to a higher state of consciousness. And certainly police are not making that climb. They're giving in 
to the mind control and the manipulation that is around them and staying on that floor of the house. We'll pick it up from this point next week. That's all the time we have for this week, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for listening to What on Earth is Happening. We'll see you next week.